Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, July 19th, and this is your FT News Briefing. OPEC and its allies have reached a deal on oil production, and the world's largest carbon trading market just opened. Plus, imagine if there were a vaccine that could protect against every COVID-19 variant. It would be a massive reassurance if every year we could take a vaccine that would allow us to relax whatever future viruses came along. We'll talk about the pursuit of a super shot. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. OPEC and its allies reached a deal yesterday to raise oil production in response to tight supplies and soaring oil prices. Starting in August, they'll pump out an extra 400,000 barrels of oil a day each month. By the end of the year, they'll ramp up output by about 2 million barrels per day. Now, it is a modest increase, and it shows that oil producers are still concerned about the strength of the global economic recovery. It also suggests that they're pretty comfortable with the current price of crude. The deal breaks a deadlock between Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. In a victory for the UAE, members of the OPEC Plus group will all be awarded higher production baselines. That's the level from which output deals are calculated. China launched its carbon trading market on Friday, an effort by the world's biggest carbon emitter to try and reduce its CO2 emissions. At the start of trading, the price per ton of carbon dioxide equivalent rose to 7 euros, according to Chinese state media. By comparison, on the more established European carbon market, prices have hovered at around 50 or 55 euros per ton. China's market is starting out on a limited basis, but could still have an impact. Here's the FT's Christian Shepherd. The trading system, even in its limited first form, will cover 40% of China's emissions. Uh, So that's about 15% of global emissions. Uh, So in that sense, it's a big deal. It's going to be the largest carbon market in the world in terms of the overall carbon dioxide output. But in other senses, uh, it's still very much a market in development and is somewhat different from the more mature markets in in Europe and Canada, and therefore it's going to be limited in its uh, immediate impact. Now, going back to the initial scope of the market right now, it's it's only China's power companies that'll be involved. Is that right, Christian? Um, Initially, it was going to be eight different sectors, and then that has got whittled down to the energy sector. Um, That's the largest source of China's emissions, accounting for about 40%, but it is still less than the originally envisioned market. It's likely that it will later expand, but the sense was that China needed to first get buy-in from these various stakeholders to uh, have a, a trial run to make sure that everything was working properly, and therefore they wanted to begin with the most important sector before rolling it out further. Now, how will this help China transition away from coal and reach its goal of of net zero emissions by 2060? In the long run, once there is a more robust pricing mechanism and the the price of carbon dioxide emissions reaches a higher level uh, where it's actually going to have a material impact on, on companies' bottom lines, then it could be very significant. But it's unlikely that that will happen within the next couple of years. Analysts reckon it's more like five to ten years before you really start to see a significant impact similar to uh, what you're now seeing in the EU. 
Christian Shepard is the FT's Beijing correspondent. The Delta variant of COVID-19 continues to spread around the globe, and vaccine makers are racing to stay ahead of it. Other scientists are taking a different approach. They're developing a single shot that could protect against all coronavirus variants, past, present, and future. A so-called super shot. Our global health editor, Sarah Neville, has been reporting on this, and she joins me now to talk more about it. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Mark. So how different will the super shot be from vaccines that a lot of us got? I've got my two doses of of Pfizer. Do I still need it? (laughs) You do still need it, just as I do, having had my two doses of AstraZeneca. Um, The very successful vaccines against COVID-19, of which you and I have each had one, they were focused on generating antibodies to neutralize the spike protein. And that's the thing that the virus uses to enter human cells. But the problem with that approach is that the virus evolves so that it can actually evade that immune response. And that's why if you keep focused on the spike protein, you have to keep updating your vaccine. But the idea of, you know, this category that we call multivalent vaccines, they tend to work in a different way. They target pieces of protein in the virus, and they're known as epitopes, and they don't mutate. This, of course, is an absolute boon because it means that you wouldn't have to constantly update and change for every new strain of the virus or every mutation of existing viruses that came along. So they really are quite different processes. So do we have anything similar at the moment when it comes to other types of viruses out there? We do, actually. The the biggest sort of multivalent vaccine is one that perhaps many of our listeners may have had or, or been offered, which is called Prevnar. And this is a vaccine that protects against 13 different strains of pneumonia. I think that's the most multivalent vaccine that's been created so far. But absolutely, this is not in itself a novel class of vaccines. Although, obviously, the scientists are breaking new ground in relation to coronaviruses, the principle of a vaccine that will protect against multiple strains of a disease has been established some time now. So we could have an update at uh, the end of the year, which seems pretty astounding. Just the the progress that we've made in terms of vaccines in general for the coronavirus have, have been astounding. What would be the timeline in terms of getting this out for mass distribution? Well, I mean, one or two of the the teams of scientists I spoke to actually felt that they could have something ready to go for regulatory approval and, you know, sort of imminently into arms, as it were, even by the end of next year, 2022. I did hear perhaps a slightly more cautious time frame from Chris Whitty, who is our high profile uh, chief medical officer here in England, where I'm based. And he talked a little more cautiously about having multivalent vaccines to control all future outbreaks within five years. So perhaps one has to keep a slightly um, level head on these things. But certainly some of the scientists themselves did seem very confident that they could have something ready certainly to go to the regulators in essentially less than 18 months from now. What are some of the broad lessons that we can learn from this super shot experience? 
Well, I think one of the interesting areas is that it served as a kind of worked example of the way in which AI and machine learning can speed up drug development and drug discovery. This is something that the pharma industry has been talking about and engaging with very seriously, probably for about the last five years or so. I was fascinated talking to some of the teams involved in developing the multivalent vaccines to hear from them that they had indeed used that technology to speed up the identification of the most productive epitopes to focus on in developing these vaccines. I think the other area which is interesting is the way in which some of the learnings that these companies had done seeking to develop cancer treatments, you know, specifically the sort of holy grail of a vaccine against cancer, those companies certainly felt that all the work they'd done on that was feeding in now to their work on a multivalent coronavirus vaccine. So I think there was an interesting cross-fertilisation that was going on where each part of the work was potentially helping the other. You know, down the line, possibly we could even see a cancer vaccine more speedily because of the work that's been going on. That's really amazing. Sarah Neville is the FT's Global Health Editor. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Mark. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.